after I wrote Think Great on a napkin and Gina called me out and said, you know, so how are you going to do this? I had to go figure it out. I knew the power of setting a goal, but the setting of the goal is, is very momentary and it's exciting and you set it, but there's a huge difference that I've discovered in setting a goal and accomplishing it. And as soon as you set it and announce it, then you get hit with a variety of different challenges. And so you need a formula to get through this. So whether I accomplish goals in the Marine Corps, in schooling, you know, high, higher education, you know, personally and professionally. And I started to know that there was a formula to this. And so like Gina said, we started to identify these priority goals. And, and the formula itself, it's the steps you take in the period of time you allocate and the people you help enlist. So it's really the steps, the time, and the people. And what I've learned is if you can get those three elements together, you can accomplish any goal. So I've written books, started a company, we started a foundation. We now teach businesses around the world how to set and accomplish great goals. Join us in Mixing Business with Pleasure, a podcast about loving your work and working with your love. Your hosts, Mike and Gabby, are entrepreneurs who have found their passion in both their personal and professional relationship. The pair who swore never to work with each other are now working happily together side by side in love, life, and business. Tune in each week as we feature co-founders who are also lovers and are proving that business and pleasure really do mix well together. Welcome back to another episode of Mixing Business with Pleasure. The couple you're about to meet today is nothing short of amazing. We have with us today Eric and Gina Thurwanger of Think Great Business Coaching. These two have an amazing story of love, business, and perseverance. Eric's a Marine Corps veteran and Gina's a four-time cancer survivor. They've adapted and rolled to the punches throughout their lives and in the process have built an amazing business and have helped countless others to improve their businesses by teaching invaluable leadership, planning, and sales skills. And a quick little plug for Think Great. Since recording this episode, we have actually started working with Eric as our sales coach and it has been nothing short of amazing. We're only a few sessions in and are already seeing positive impacts on our business. If you're in need of some outside business perspective, motivation, accountability, we can't recommend Eric enough. In addition to their company, Eric and Gina have also founded a nonprofit organization called Think Great Foundation, which offers scholarships to military spouses, a cause close to their hearts. And we've had the, the opportunity to work with a number of military spouses here at Proofpoint, and they're amazing people. So it's a great cause. Eric and Gina's story is so inspiring, and we know you're going to adore them as much as we do. Uh, if you love what you hear today, we'd be thrilled for you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. So without further ado... Let's get into this amazing conversation with Eric and Gina Thurwanger. Eric and Gina, welcome to the show. We're very excited to have you with us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Well, we like to start every show with a little kind of game we like to play. Work and love, which are the central topics that we talk about on this podcast, are both four-letter words. So we would love to know what your favorite four-letter words are. And I will amend this to say that this happens to be a tricky question for our guests. So we have expanded that to include anywhere from three to five-letter <laughs> words. It's a plus or minus one letter. <laughs> right. Well, I guess, you know, all right, if we're going to go five, five letters, if we're allowed, we were going to choose a four letter word goal. So goal okay. is a very important one to us. But since you opened it up for the five letter word, then we'll choose great since that's half of our company name. Awesome. I love that. Gina, anything to add there? Well, on a personal note, I think a four letter word for me would be Eric, of course. <laughs> <laughs> 
So scratch the goal one. I think that's great. But now I might need to change mine to Gina. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, no. I love it. No, all kidding aside, goal is a good one. I mean, we are constantly talking about setting goals, accomplishing goals, what it takes to get there whether the goal be big or small or, or how short of a time period it takes or how long it might take to get there, whether it be a 90 day goal, one year goal, five year goal, we're constantly, that's just at the core of everything that we do pretty much on a daily basis. Yeah. That's wonderful. And I know that goal setting and goal planning, that's gonna be a big part of our discussion today as we dive into more of your business. And, and it seems like you guys are also all about preparation since you, you it seems like you, you saw that question coming. <laughs> Most of the people that come yeah. on the show don't. You know, we did our research too. <laughs> we wanted to be prepared. Yeah. That's a very good observation, Mike. Yes, that that surprised me how prepared you were. <laughs> but wonderful. Let's go to the next question. And this one shouldn't be a hard one either. Uh, what came first, business or love? Love definitely came first. I met Eric in 1995. And we didn't start working together until around the year 2000. Yeah. So love definitely came before business. Yeah. We had our own career paths prior to working together. So we were heading in different directions, you know, career wise, mm -hmm. but then found a way to work together. Or like Gina said, in about the year 2000, and we've been doing it ever since for 20 years. 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Wonderful. From what I could tell you guys, even be before you started your business, you were working together at a at least one other company. From yeah, we yeah. were we were actually working together in the financial mm -hmm. services arena. So I was in the film industry, and and Gina was in a completely separate industry. You know, the kind of the food industry, if you will, produce side of things. So we, our paths weren't crossing at all. And then ten months after we were married, she was diagnosed with cancer, and so I left the film industry and and put the hat on of caregiver but it also caused me to need to look for new work. So I went into the financial services arena and went into the sales side of things. And so it was at that point, probably about four or five months after I started in there, Gina started to work with me on, on helping to process the applications. And we started working together. And then later on, we worked together at a media company when I got back into the film industry. And so we worked there for a number of years. And then we started Think Great. I want to say five, I think. Yeah, four or five four years five at the years media company. Together. So we had, you know, we kind of worked out all the kinks on the first two working together options so that when we started Thinkrate, we, we already knew what was uh, in store for us. But of course, Thinkrate was the first time we owned a business together and ran that together. Well, tell us some of those kinks that you experienced, because it's interesting. We've had a few guests on the show that had a similar story in the sense that the partners were working at another company or it was a client, you mm -hmm. know, vendor relationship. And then they got married or continued their love story. And then they started a business together. So, and I, I would suspect that a lot of couples in business together today in the United States and probably all over the world have a similar story in that one or both of the couples cross paths professionally, maybe had a vendor client relationship and then the love blossomed and then the business yeah. blossomed. So what were some of those early kinks that you, that you had experienced together? Well, you know, when we started dating, we never thought we would even work together, let alone run a company together. So that wasn't really on the plan for us. And I would say that the earliest kink that we hit was really Gina being diagnosed with cancer. She was 27 and I was 30. And 
that was a huge shift in our lives. You know, everything shifted at that point. And so I, at that point I was driving, I don't know, 40 miles to and from Santa Monica because we lived in California. And so I had a heck of a commute through Los Angeles and I was needing more and more time to be a caregiver. So when I left the, the film industry, went into the financial services arena, that was really a, a means to an end, if you will, just to put food on the table. It wasn't my passion. Right. It um, wasn't our ideal industry to go to, to do financial services. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was not in the, in the game plan at all. But there were two things about being in financial services sales that allowed me to be a caregiver, which was I could make money and I could control my time both of which were not as easy as we had found out. You know, we discovered it wasn't as easy to do both of those. But even though she was going through chemotherapy and I was her caregiver, we worked together to make that come together. And it did for about four years. We even started our own general agency. Then I got back into the film industry and I became a, a scheduler at a post-production company in Santa Monica, which was in my wheelhouse. I went to film school at USC. So I knew the industry. Uh, and I started off entry level. About 18 months later, I was the vice president of the entire company. And then shortly after that, Gina started working there. And we reset our lives up in Agora Hills, California. And so in about 2008, I had the idea for the company. And I, and I shared with her the name, Think Great. And she said, that's a great, that's a great company name. What are you going to do? And I said, well, I haven't gotten that far yet. I just have the two words. And I said, I have to work on some things. But she goes, all right, well, it's a great name. And so we started to flush out what we wanted to do as a business. And right from the get-go, we worked together on that. And that led into writing books, creating programs, and where we are now, where we've actually done coaching internationally for businesses, which is really exciting, which is all part of our vision. And I think what drew me into wanting to work more and more with him is his passion and his ideas. He was constantly coming up with different ways we can make it work, just different ways we could help people. And every time he spoke, I always saw that passion yeah. and I, I just loved it. And it just draws people in, you know, it drew me in more and more to want to work with him. Well, I think it's obvious to see, Eric, that you have such a charisma on camera. And for those that are listening, I'm sure you can hear Eric's passion and his enthusiasm about what he does. Before we jump into business, because I know that's going to be a big topic we want to explore today. I think you guys have just a phenomenally incredible story and a love story about, Gina, your experience through cancer. And not just one bout of cancer, but four different episodes where you had to go through cancer treatment and you had cancer and you were sick and very ill. And Eric, you were a caregiver. And we know from our personal experiences being a caregiver with our daughter, our daughter was born with some medical needs, that it is incredibly taxing to become a caregiver. And you you can really, you know, almost lose yourself in that experience. But we want to hear from you about Gina, obviously your perspective on going through cancer and what allowed you to keep pushing forward. And Eric, from your perspective, you had mentioned that your business was really largely inspired by becoming a caregiver and, and witnessing your wife, your love, go through these difficult times. So we'd love to explore that. Tell us what was going on inside your heads. How did you get through it? And share with us your wisdom of going through this and starting a business. As you know, like anyone going through trials and, and health issues, there's good days and there's bad days. And I feel like during the good days, he was there to celebrate the, the victories with me, the good news with me that I would get from my doctors. 
And then during the bad days, on those days that I just felt like I couldn't go anymore, which I had plenty of those days, you know, he was just always there to just lift me up. And part of that was just dream selling with me and goal setting with me. And that's why goals are so important. There's one in particular time that I remember being at City of Hope, I believe it was, and I was in the hospital. I was just super weak, super frail. I had no more drive in me. I just couldn't do it anymore. Like I had fought the, the fight and I just felt like I was just, I had hit rock bottom. And I remember him coming in and just sitting on my bed and, and dream telling and saying, what, when you, when, not if, when you get out of here and you start getting your energy back and you start getting back on your own two feet, let's talk about that house we're going to buy. Let's talk about how we're going to decorate it. And, and then we got into just fun, basic conversations like who are we going to entertain let's get the you know our boys and their friends over and let's get a house with the pool so we can have pool parties and just those things that just fired me up inside on a personal level because family is so important to me and I think the interesting part about this that whole story that particular day is my blood cell count was not coming up and they couldn't move me out of a certain room and they couldn't do anything more with me until that came up. And they were really struggling with that. After that visit with Eric, the doctors were amazed. The nurses came in and said, okay, we're retesting you. And, and miraculously my blood cell, my blood cell count came up and they were able to move forward with treatment that they weren't able to do. And I really attribute that to Eric and, and just his, his way of just bringing life to something that to someone that had lost all hope. Absolutely. And that brain body connection is so powerful and it is so real. And, yes. you know, thank you for sharing that story with us because that resonates with us on a very deep level as we also not, yeah. th not cancer, but we experienced a medical crisis with our daughter and she was many months in the hospital. It's, it's not easy. Eric, tell us be, becoming a caregiver and changing your careers, changing your career path. What was that like? And, and how did you manage to continue to remain strong and, and positive and just a, a positive force, not only in Gina's life, but also for yourself? Because the, the role of caregiver is a, very, is a very draining and taxing one. So share with us how you did it all, all those years. Well, as you probably know, based on your experiences with your daughter, there's no, there's no caregiver handbook. Everything is about the patient as it should be. And so there wasn't a lot of advice on that. I did get some and that really helped guide me. But I remember when she called me and she said, I just got a call from my doctor and she was crying and she said, they, and they said, I have cancer. And I remember exactly where I was sitting because I was in Santa Monica at the time sitting at my desk. And I, I told my boss at that point, I said, I got to go. And, and he was awesome about it. And, and I left. It just didn't seem real. When we got to the oncology department, they told us a little bit about what the treatment plans would be. And then they started to train me as a caregiver and they started to teach me how to give her shots in the legs every night, how to clean the exit wound of the Hickman tube that stuck at the Hickman line, the tube that stuck out of her chest. So I had to clean the exit wound, flush it with saline every night, make sure she had her medication and doing all those doctor appointments. So everything was very regimented, which for me, as a, I had served in the Marine Corps, regiment was fine for me. I, I, I can do the regiment. But after they trained me to be her caregiver, her oncologist actually pulled me aside and said, I need you to do something that'll help her to fight back. And you know, we're like 10 months into our, our, our marriage, right? So this, everything is still so new for us. And I, I remember telling him, I'll do whatever it takes. And he said, okay, great. I need you to keep her positive and keep her spirits high. 
So he really knew what was coming more than we did. He knew it wouldn't be the training as a caregiver as much as it was the development for me to be a leader in her life, which means, you know, I had to show her the way sometimes when things were so bad. And then they gave her the chemo and it took effect in about 30 minutes. We got home. She got very, very ill, violently ill for hours. And I just kept a cool towel on her forehead in the restroom. And at one point, the chemo kicked in so hard that she looked up at me and said, I think I'm going to die right now. And she wasn't exaggerating. She really felt like she was going to die. And I remember what the oncologist said, you know, keep her spirits high, keep her positive. And all I had for at that time was, you'll be okay. And I think he was looking for me to deliver a better message. But that was all I had at the time. And, you know, the chemo kicked her butt for three weeks. And after that, they gave it to her again and again and again. That didn't work. Then radiation, that didn't work. And then the city of hope where she was in a sterile room for 30 days awaiting a stem cell transplant. Ironically in the Marine Corps during chaos, I wore a mask as Gina's caregiver at city of hope. I wore a mask during COVID-19. We wear masks. So I'm not even um, a stranger to the chaos going on around us wearing a mask, but her situation was so bad. They literally said she was, she was dying in there. They couldn't get her white blood cell count high enough to do the stem cell transplant. And so when I went in that day, I scrubbed down, put the mask on. And that's when I pulled that goal from the back burner. It was a goal that we had when we first got married because we lived in an apartment. And so our goal was buy a house, just like most newlyweds. But what happened is when, when chaos hit, when the challenges got really bad, like most people, our goals all went to the back burner. And so during that time period, I, I remember thinking to myself, I got to have something better than this whole you'll be okay thing. And I'd been saying that for 10 months. So I pulled a goal from the back burner and that's what caused her at 92 pounds, uh, very weak, very frail to sit up and start to describe the house. So I was broke and she was dying and I didn't exactly have a game plan on how to get the house. I just realized that that goal gave her a look into the future and caused her to stop looking at the present, which was so bad caused her to look up. And so that became the essence of what Think Great was in the beginning. And we used goal setting when she had her second bout of cancer, which was breast cancer. She had basal cell cancer. She had melanoma. And then in 2016, my daughter and I, we went out for a Starbucks run and came back. And within 30 seconds of us being back, we had found out, unfortunately, how much the chemotherapy, the radiation, the stem cell transplant had on her heart and uh, she passed away in front of us within 30 seconds of being home of cardiac arrest. And so while I was doing CPR, I knew she wasn't breathing anymore. And the first responders got there and they got a pulse after the third hit with the defibrillator. She was in a coma. They, they put her in an induced coma, cooled her organs, and then let her warm up. And then they said, our diagnosis is we're going to cross our fingers and hope she comes back. So I, I stayed in the hospital and ICU with her for about a week. And she obviously did come back. And while I was taking her to a new room, she got in a wheelchair and she was able to get around on her own at this point. So after a week, she was up moving around and talking again and breathing on her own and um, still weak, but I took her down to a new room so they could put a defibrillator into her chest. When we got to an elevator and stopped, she said, you know what we should do? And I said, what should we do? And she said, we should set some new goals. And so goal setting for us during chaos is just part of our life. And while we were in her room, we discussed launching a foundation. And so we actually launched a foundation called the Think Great Foundation. And we award scholarships to military spouses as a way of saying thank you for your sacrifices, your commitment to our nation. 
and everything that you give up and one of it's schooling. So first year out of the gates, which was last year, we actually uh, awarded 27 scholarships and that all came out of setting goals during not the most optimum situation. And so that is really how Think Great got launched many, many years ago is let's help people set and accomplish goals no matter what circumstances they face, which is still part of our mission statement today. Wow, that's, that, that's awesome. I, so many directions we can go with this. Your story is just so, <laughs> wow. We, we love everything that you've shared with us. We're sorry that you had to go through those things, but we know from our personal experience that sometimes going through hardship can lead to greatness. And, and that, is, that is absolutely the essence of your story and of your, of your journey with your business. Yeah. And so thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to keep going down the, the path of goal setting. A couple of questions. Number one is, I mean, it's one thing to set big, hairy, audacious goal, if you will, but it's another thing to actually put a plan in place and operationalize it so you can actually achieve it and keep kind of seeing the yeah. progress. So can you talk about, you know, everyone's got a different way of doing it. I'm curious how have you, how did, how have you guys done that over, over the years? Well, the acronym for great in our company name, think great. I don't know if you guys read up on it, but it, it stands for establishing goals, setting reasons, having strong reasons to go after those goals, setting high expectations, taking action, and then tracking it. Because if you don't track it, you probably won't hit it. You can't yeah. just put it on a piece of paper and, and tuck it away and hope that you hit that goal. You have to track it. So the, the acronym GREAT in our company name really is the foundation of yeah. kind of like what we follow for, for doing it. And then you could take it from here on what we do. You know, after I wrote Think Great on a napkin and Gina called me out and said, you know, so how are you going to do this? I had to go figure it out. And I just knew that I knew the power of setting a goal, but the, the, the setting of the goal is, is very momentary and it's exciting and you set it, but there's a huge difference that I've discovered in setting a goal and accomplishing it. And as soon as you set it and announce it, then you get hit with a variety of different challenges. And so you need a formula to get through this. So what I did is I created a formula and I looked at everything, whether I accomplished goals in the Marine Corps, in schooling, you know, high, higher education, whether I accomplished goals personally and professionally, and I started to know that there was a formula to this. And so like Gina said, we started to identify these priority goals. And, and the formula itself is very simple. It's the steps you take in the time of a you know, period of time you allocate and the people you help enlist. So it's really the steps, the time, and the people. And what I've learned is if you can get those three elements together, you can accomplish any goal. So I've written books, started a company, we started a foundation. We now teach businesses around the world how to set and accomplish great goals. Even the university, I think Scranton University or University of Scranton did a study showing that 92% of people consistently fail at their goals. And so we teach people how to be in the eight percenters. And you really have to make that decision because as soon as you set a goal, you're going to have a challenge. And most people toss their goals away during challenging times. One of the things I learned in the military, and I still coach the military today, is when they are preparing their people to go into chaos or challenge, they encourage goal setting. So I do a lot of goal setting with our troops and their spouses. Goal setting is proven to reduce stress and give you a great outlook on the future. And yet in the civilian side of things, we tend to go, I'll wait till the chaos is over to set goals. So we flip the switch and encourage people to set them now. And what we do is find increased engagement, morale goes up, enthusiasm goes up. People start to be hopeful for the future again. And so it's really about that vision for the future having your big picture, your greater purpose, and then pulling goals out of that. 
So I've been doing goal setting. That was my first book, actually. It's called The Goal Formula. And so I wrote a book about it, more or less on the personal side. But, but once that book came out, then people started to ask me, well, could you help our business with goals? Could you help our sales team? Could you help our leaders? And it really evolved into leading, planning, and selling. Those are our three main focal points and goal setting for all of them. So goals are a common theme throughout all of our books. And we just published our seventh book. And so, so that book will be out this month. It's called The Communication Movement. But in there, it's talking about having these goals, these action items on communication to move your people. So the goal setting side is extremely important to us. And, and we encourage people to set them. And then we give them the formula for that personally and professionally in their business. That's what you describe is really interesting because one of the things that, you know, I've, I've read and heard and you kind of hear out there is, you know, that the scarcity sort of breeds creativity, right? And sort of when you're in that chaos, that doesn't work for everybody necessarily, but you can get more creative and you can sort of accomplish more. And it seems like you, your sort of strategy is exactly that, which is you set your goals when you're in a difficult spot because you're, you know, more likely to get a little creative about it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we're, we're social creatures and that's why this time period is so hard on everybody. We've been ordered or mandated to stay apart, even though we can get together virtually, we've taken a hit as a society, even in business, we've taken a hit during COVID-19 because the CDC had their three guidelines, right? Wash your hands, wear a mask and stay away from each other. Well, in most businesses, people are their greatest asset. And when they're at their strongest is when they're gathered. And we've been told to stay apart. We're going on 10 months of this now. And that's longer than some deployments in the military. And the civilian population has no ramp up time for this. We were 62% remote working by April, in, in April. And so we're helping to unify organizations. Mm -hmm. And one of the most powerful ways to unify teams right now is to have them have common objectives, common goals that they work on. Most businesses, before we get to them, have the idea that we'll wait to see what happens with COVID-19. And we're encouraging exactly like you said, Mike, we're encouraging them now to be creative, to collaborate, have these innovative out of the box, creative ideas. Because what I have found about goal setting is I've never accomplished a goal by myself. It is always a team effort. Um, sure. I might have the content up here for my books, uh, but Gina offers her insights. Our entire team offers their insights and then we have the, you know, the editing process, the publishing process, the creative process on the, on the book cover. I just, I know I'm not good enough to do a goal by myself. So I don't even attempt it. I enlist the help of others all the time. Again, it's the steps we take and the time we take them and the people we enlist to help. I am a huge fan of including everybody in our goals. And we have techniques to guarantee we're in the 8%. That's the thing that's the most important part. We get people to believe they can be in the 8% and then take the actions to do it. And maybe we'll share those actions today share it with your Well, audience. I would love That'd be great. I Mike, I have one quick question. I know you want to get in here, but I want to get in here. I <laughs> We're going to fight this out. <laughs> but gosh, Eric, I'm I'm everything you're saying is just fantastic. There's so much we want to dive into. One of the things that I want to ask a question for both of you is, you know, you've talked a lot about goals. We know goals are so vastly important. It's a, it's a it's a huge pillar in in your business and mm. also in your lives. One of the things that I think oftentimes happens to entrepreneurs, especially those that are maybe earlier in their career, they're in the service-based business or they're providing a service to another company. They often end up being the cobbler's kids. They do what the client needs. They, they offer their services to their clients and they do it beautifully and well and wonderfully, but they don't always 
do what they need to do in their business. And that could be, you know, for example, if you're a marketing company, well, maybe you're not doing marketing that well for your company. And so my question is, you and, and your team and Gina are busy focusing on building other people's companies and their leadership and their talent and their goals. What are the mechanisms and reminders or tools or whatever it is that you use to ensure that you're not ending up like the cobbler's kids, that you're not forgetting your people in your own company? We're asking for a friend. Well, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so for your friend, here's what I would tell your friend is that I believe that no matter no matter what your question is, leadership is the answer. I also believe that no matter what your challenge is, leadership is the solution. I go back to leadership and I have a very uh, unique acronym. Well, I may have borrowed part of it and enhanced it, but WWLD, what would a leader do? And we teach that in our leadership development programs that leadership is at all levels. For me, I wanna lead by example every day. So when I'm teaching that to businesses and I say, lead by example, have constant personal communication with your people. I have to do that myself. Share goals with your team members, ask them for goals, ask them for their insights. You know, the unique thing about being a business coach is you get to see everything that's not working right out there. And so that gives us a very unique perspective, but I also ran businesses. So as the vice president of a company, we not only grew 300% in our annual sales volume, but we did it through the great recession. You know, we worked with companies like MTV, HBO, South Park, but really the most phenomenal thing about all that growth was that one number minimized. And when I started at the company, 15% of our broadcast media orders were incorrect on our end. It was horrible. After we tripled our volume, we reduced our errors to 0.35%. And that was after we opened a second facility. We were operating 24-7. We were doing work in New York and also we were having work done in uh, Europe. And so the amount of, you know, from the media world, the amount of variables and errors would have gone up and yet our actual results went down. The common denominator, everybody in the company was developed to think and act like a leader, even if nobody reported into them. If they had no direct reports, they could still think and act like a leader. Once we created a foundation of leadership, it dictated everything we did. For me, the first message I send out is to my team every morning. If, if, I'm, if I'm saying that my team is the priority, then I have to back it up. And I, and I always say this to leaders out there, you know, have a plan. We have a plan. We have goals. We have communication. But I always ask people, how important is leadership in your organization on a scale of one to 10? And you could, as you can guess, most say 10. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, all right, if, if you were accused of being a leader, is there enough evidence to convict you? And so we get it, it, more than the hype of, there's a lot of leadership coaches out there, but a lot of it is good intentions. It's just, hey, you should lead your people. Well, okay, how? Hey, you should raise the bar. Okay, how? So there's a lot of cliches in leadership and we are called cliche busters. And we actually teach people how to speak leadership so that they can perform at the highest levels, especially during chaos. And that for us is the biggest takeaway. My entire team has been developed to think and act like leaders. Gina's been through our program. So we don't just issue the programs and the services, we attend them. In fact, Sandy, who's on our team, has been through our 12-month program three times already at different levels. So we eat our own food, if you will, consistently. You know, we preach, we preach about showing appreciation. We tell people how important it is to say, I appreciate you, not just thank you. And we do that with our team. And they do it with us too. And it's, it's a pretty awesome feeling. So leading by example, I think is very, very huge for us. 
Absolutely. And I, I, I have a couple of questions that are coming out of that. But one in particular, you mentioned we, we talked about COVID-19 and we don't have to go in at any length to know that, man, this has been a tough year for people, for businesses, everyone around the world. I think that there's some new verbiage that has come out of COVID-15, which is Zoom fatigue, which maybe wasn't a thing before, but now certainly is, you know, and the isolation that you mentioned and, and just the, the mental and emotional uh, stress that it puts on people. But especially if, if I'm thinking about company leaders. One question that I have for you, Eric, is you guys have been through some really tough times personally. And, and now everyone is going through this collective grief of, tw- of 2020 and COVID-19. How do you consistently remain positive as a leader when perhaps leaders out there are, are flailing? Are they are, there's doubt and there's fear. How do leaders consistently remain strong? Well, that's a great question. That's what we're asked a lot from leaders. And that's why I'm going into businesses nonstop, whether it's virtual or live right now. I was just in Iowa for two days for a leadership conference for a construction company. It was so powerful. I'm going back out to do it for more of their people in January. Here's the difference between the military and the, lead, and, and the civilian business sector from a leadership perspective. And this is why we run into trouble. In the military, since day one, when you start, whether it's boot camp or officer candidate school, every single day in your onboarding program, they're preparing you for chaos, 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 stress challenges. They disorient you. They confuse you. There's yelling, there's screaming. Also that when chaos hits, you're prepared. In the workplace, we prepare our people to avoid chaos and you cannot avoid COVID-19. It's impossible. We're all being hit by it. So leaders, if they're not being developed to think and act like leaders, if all they have is a leadership position, but they don't understand the greater purpose of leadership, all they have is a title going through COVID-19. And we share with them what their purposes are. And that's where we help them. So we help them to re-identify the the outlook that they need to have. Every leader needs to be a beacon of positivity right now. When the storm is at its darkest and the ships feel lost at sea, turn on your light. It's not the time to turn it off. And so we teach them. One of the things Gina said earlier is have goals for 90 days, one year, three years, five years, share them. When Gina was at her darkest point, when she was dying in the city of hope, I pulled a goal from the back burner. It's so simple, harder to accomplish, but we actually did get that first house. I mean, it was crazy, but it's so important for leaders to have a vision for the future, for a team member to be able to say, hey, leader, where are we going? And the leader can't say, I I don't know. It's imperative for a leader to have vision. And that vision is going to be broken down into goals. We're going there. Not to mention, just like every other chaos that's ever hit our nation or our world, this will end. And we can't forget that. Leaders also need to look at the full picture. If you look at the news, there's a lot of devastating news. Look at the deaths, the deaths, the new cases. Very rarely are they sharing any of the good news on the news. So leaders, you have to find that good news and you need to share it. A leader right now may be the sole source of positivity in somebody's life. You know, they may not see it on the news. They may not see it on Facebook. Well, they're not going to see it on Facebook. We already know that. (laughs) Like if you really want to be bummed out, just watch the news and Facebook at the same time. It's all negative. So for leaders, they may be the beacon of positivity in somebody's darkest times. And that is what we're here for. I, I, I think it's important that everyone hearing this knows that You develop leaders for the darkest times, not when the lights are on. It's easy to be a leader when the stars align, but leaders are created and developed and transformed, forged for today. COVID-19 will go away, but the kiln is hot right now. We can put our leadership sword into there and we can become forged into great leaders. At some point, the opportunity of COVID-19 will be gone. 
And so the reason there's high levels of teamwork and camaraderie in the military is they go into challenges together as leaders. In the workplace, we're seeing people going, well, I'll wait to see what happens. Could you imagine if our military, 2 million men and women defending our nation said, let's just wait to see what happens. We'd be frightened, <laughs> be frightened. Right. So, hey, I, I say this, this is the greatest opportunity for us to be sharper leaders right now, right now. And that's what gets me yeah. fired up. I'm, I am fired up because we're developing leaders every single day in other companies. And it's exciting to see it. Well, as you were talking, you know, I, my mind's eye was thinking about the imagery that you were talking about, forging and yeah. fire and sword. And being that you come from the, the film industry, hopefully you'll appreciate this. But what I was thinking about in my mind's eye was the Lord of the Rings, you know, mm -hmm. that, that epic battle with the orcs and, and these little halflings. And, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a movie nerd and I love those kinds of movies. So that's really what I was thinking about. Like but One it, ring to it, lead them all, right? Right, exactly. So I, I just, I love what you were saying. I think we, we want to hear from Gina. And I know that Mike has some good questions. So I'm going to kick that over to Mike and Gina. Yeah. <laughs> Fire away, Mike. I mean, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to know in terms of when really kind of going back to when you guys started the company, how did you decide who's going to do what? I mean, obviously, Eric sounds like had the original idea and the the company name, but you guys went into it together and you have your own role. So what, how did you decide who's going to do what and have, has that evolved over time and how? It, it was pretty simple. When we worked together in the film industry, I worked in the accounting department when he was vice president of the media company out in Santa Monica. And that's just what I've done most of my life in business. And so I run our accounting department here for Think Great. And so I decided to just take that role and just move it over to Think Great and, and focus my energy there. And then I, I'm, I'm a very, I'm definitely a planner and I'm super organized. So in the beginning stages, before we hired on more people, I would also um, be the one to help plan the events or coordinate any type of speaking, um, speaking engagement that yeah. he had lined up. So I was kind of doing both. He's more of the extrovert. He likes being on stage. He likes being in front of people. I can't quite say that I'm, <laughs> I follow that path with, <laughs> with Eric. So I'm more comfortable just working in the office and doing things, whereas he's definitely one that likes to be on the outside, she used to on pre stage. She used to pre-frame with me when we'd host our big events <laughs> and there was 200, 250 people invited out. She would say, do not call on me. Do not point out where I am. <laughs> you know, hey, Mike, that's just a, she just slow pitched it to me. That means I should do it. That's how I heard it. And I would always say, hey, I just want to, I just want to say Gina's right here with us. And she'd be like, oh. but she's gotten so much better with that though. You know, we grow together through this. We do, but we have our roles. I mean, we kind of know where our strong points are yeah. and, and we kind of stick, stick with that every now and again, I have to step out of my comfort zone and do things like podcasts. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, it, it works. It works for us. And have your roles, I mean, have your roles kind of evolved as the company has grown? And they've almost, they become more laser focused because yeah. we have team members that do certain things now yeah. and they do them far better than we ever could. You know, we, we kind of operate off of the mantra, hire people better than you and make them better than you. So we have people that the portion of my calendar that Gina used to do, the scheduling, coordinating, all that stuff. We now have Sapphire on board. She does all of that stuff and she does it far better than us combined, which yeah. is, which is great. In fact, she lined this up for us. So, you know, I've been, I've been banned. So the team actually has banned me from my own calendar. That's how bad I am with it. Cause I just get excited and I double book, you know? So. Oh yeah. I know that <laughs> feeling. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I'll do it. I would love yep. to. 
That's Mike, that may or may not be my problem. Mike is the king of promising deadlines to our clients. And, and I've said, Mike, Actually, I got to get that. I got to get the post-it note back on my screen. I used to, my, my account, our account manager and Gabby have both told me, okay, you're no longer allowed to, to promise timelines. <laughs> and I had a post-it note that said, do not promise timelines. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. We found ourselves doing more work, re-coordinating and rescheduling things at Eric double and triple book. So we're like, okay. That. Well, sometimes good intentions can lead to bad results. So oh, yes. we talk about that and that's why it's important. You know, I have to, I had to learn how to say, well, Mike, I will have Sapphire reach out to you as much as I would like to hop on there and just book it. They will kill me if I do it at this point, <laughs> but that's okay. That's why I think that goes back to leadership, right? That's that's why you have a team. It's not so that you take more on. It's so you delegate more to them and they do it in a better way Absolutely. than you do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what's freed us up to do so many other things. So you've, that, that's beautiful. And you, you, you've mentioned people in a couple of different contexts. You mentioned people when you're talking about finding the right people when it comes to goal setting. And you've mentioned people when it comes to building a team. So I'd love to, for both of you, get your thoughts and input on how do you, how do you find the right people to help you achieve a goal? especially if you maybe don't have the right person in your Rolodex, let's just say. And then how do you build that right team? Like, you know, and if you could be specific in terms of, you know, how did you decide who your first hires are going to be for your company? Yeah, this one just really hits deep in the heart. My sister has had worked in the mortgage industry for 34 years. And when we moved out here, we stayed with them for uh, a short time before we got our own home. And I just saw her working from sunup to sundown. I mean, she, she would have files piled high on her desk and we rarely saw her. She was working her tail off. And one of my goals, and Eric and I talked about goals, you know, one of my goals was to retire my sister from the mortgage industry. She's older than I am by 10 years. And my goal was to retire her. And it came to a point where we were ready to hire someone. Eric sat me down and we had a really candid conversation. And he said, I think I'm ready to start working on that goal with you to get your sister out of the mortgage industry. Mm-hmm. And then you could take it from here because it's a really nice story. Good story. Well, I, I think that it piggybacks on what you're asking, Mike. And, and I think leaders need to do a better job most on just asking better questions in the interviewing process. You know, we hear people say, I'm just looking for a warm body. And then they're shocked when the person's not engaged. I mean, what we look for are people who can fulfill our mission, our vision, and our core values. So we're looking for people who want to be part of the team. And we talk about in the interviewing process, teamwork or leadership. Go ahead. And passion is a big one. And that's getting back to my sister. When we sat with her, mm-hmm. her passion was undeniable. You can't put a price on passion. I mean, you can train someone to do a job and to fill job yeah. descriptions, but you cannot insert passion into someone that has to yeah, come naturally. It. it has to come from the heart. And so that's one of our biggies when we hire someone to think great, they have to have that passion, that true desire to want to make a difference in the lives of others. I, I think more than looking at somebody's resume, which is always good. Nobody ever lists their bad stuff, right? So I, I did thousands and thousands of interviews at the media company in eight years that was there. We were just constantly interviewing, always on the hunt for great people. If we found a great one, we made space for that person. We didn't want to lose them. But in that process, I started to refine my questions and, you know, Sandy answered them all correctly. How do you feel about being part of a team? How do you feel about leadership? What do you expect from leaders? Are you, are you wanting to work on our goals and our plan? And her passion matched our core value of passion, integrity, and excellence. Those are our three core values. Some leaders don't know their core values and yet they're still hiring people. So what are you hiring them to just 
just fill a spot or fulfill a purpose. And for us, we want people that we can count on. In the civilian side, they don't take an oath when they start working with you. In the military, they do. And there's a different feeling there. Now, we didn't have our team members take an oath, <laughs> not, not at least out loud, but they have a commitment level that's unmatched. And that's what we look for. We spend time. And I teach businesses to spend more time. I get them to ask certain questions in the interviewing process. And the people they're hiring become part of their culture. Because you know when you hire somebody, and if they're not a fit, you can tell immediately. So I, I think that summing it all up, find people who who are a part of your culture, who will enhance your culture. Mm -hmm. you know, and Sandy has enhanced our culture. So is Sapphire, so is Jacob. Everybody involved makes our culture better. Can you give an example of at least one of those questions that you recommend? I don't know if there's like a general one that's a good one. The biggest one that I ask is, you know, right out of the gates is how do you feel about being part of a team? And so when people say, well, I'm not, you know, I kind of do my own thing. I'm not, I'm not into teamwork. You know, I, I don't work well with others. Not that they necessarily say it exactly like that in an interview, but you can gauge their passion on teamwork because it doesn't matter how well they know something. If they're not a fit to the team, everybody picks up on it pretty quick. So I'll ask them about how do you feel about being part of a team, a cohesive unit? I'll ask them, how do you feel about working on goals? Mm -hmm. uh, and I will also ask them, what do you think about our mission, vision, and core values, which are on our website? If they didn't go to the website to look at those, then I end the interview. I know that might sound harsh, but why waste the time? If somebody's just looking for a job, I'm looking for somebody with passion. And when you find that person, I here's what I love about your mission statement. Well, now I'm on the right track. And then I'm eliminating the warm bodies who are just looking for a paycheck. Yep. What, I'm curious for the, that first question you mentioned in terms of how do you feel about teamwork? Again, just getting a little bit more tactical here. What are some yep. of the red flags you would look for versus what are some of the, yep, this might be the one kind of thing? I think when you're asking them questions about their previous employment, right? Where they worked before, you know, a lot of times if they start saying, and, and they will, if you, if you can have an open dialogue, they'll start saying things that, you know, they did it their way and the company didn't appreciate that, or they had disagreements with leadership or management. And, and while it may be valid, it could also be a, a sign that maybe the problem is them. So I would flush that out a little bit more, but I asked direct questions, you know, who did, who reported into you? Who did you report into? How was that relationship? I wanted to find out their resume I knew was already going to look good. So I, I, I looked at it a little. I wanted to tap deeper into what do they expect of a team? And so it starts to come out what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't uncommon that we had people after the first interview say, I'll do whatever it takes to join this team at the media company. That it was, it was an interview unlike anything they had ever experienced. But we were asking more questions around the people side of the business, not the technical side of the business. Because at the end of the day, we were hiring people, not a resume. Definitely. I'd love to ask one more, one more question about people. And then I know Gabby's itching to get, get back in here. <laughs> Going back, Eric, you mentioned, you know, when you're at the media company, you kind of mentioned, Hey, if we found, we were always on the hunt. If we found good people, we'd make space for them. And I mean, yeah. I've, I've been in part of organizations in the past where, you know, they're bigger organizations, there's more flex, things like that. But I'm curious, sort of how does a small business handle or a company like us? How would we go about getting the right people versus always being kind of behind the eight ball and, uh, you know, yeah. just scrambling to find it. How to be proactive versus reactive in hiring. Here's what I would look at. I would look at your culture, make sure somebody's a fit for the culture, and also look at your goals, the 90 day, one year, three year, five years. Who do you need on board to help accomplish that? You should always have, and what we had at the media company was an organizational chart. Here's how the organizational chart is lined up. Most companies don't use their org chart the right way. Their org chart is basically their chain of command. In the military, it's used as a line of authority and a line of communication. Very, very simple. 
at the top of my org chart was Ronald Reagan. Not that I ever called him <laughs> and not that he ever called me, but I understood my chain of command. That was my org chart. I believe every business needs to have an opportunity chart, the next version. In other words, here's what our snapshot is right now. Maybe it's you and Gabby and another person. There's three, whatever it is. The next one shows four. And then you already have that job description mapped out for that position that supports your flight plan, all of your goals. Then you're finding that right person to do a specific task. If that person comes on board and you have the right person, they could very well pay for themselves. Because I know you're not like a Target or a US bank where they can go, well, well let's just hire 50 people and see what works out. Not that they do it that way, but I think that when you find that right person, it's about that forward thinking, which means that the goal setting side is important because they're going to help you hit some goals, mm -hmm. some of which may pay for their payroll. I love that. We, we've talked a lot about people and, and I love that we talk about people because part of our vision statement at Proofpoint at our company is we want to be a people first inspired workplace. So people for us are very important. We, you can't run a business without people. Tools are not going to run the business for you. And like you said, Eric, resume is not going to run the business for you. But there's another component of people in business. And those are our clients. Those are the people that we do business for. So one of the questions that I'm burning to ask you is what we say in our business is that we like to choose our clients as much as they choose us, you know, when we're going yeah. through the sales process of prospecting and nurturing that lead and understanding what their pain points are, et cetera, we're making decisions along the way about, is this the right client sure. for us? You know, are they the right people? So I'd like to know what criteria do you look mm -hmm. for when you're considering to bring on new clients to your business? And, and for us, we do have a criteria because we're asked a lot. People, when we make an impact in a business, they want to refer us people. So we'll often be asked, who's your target client? And what they first ask is, are I think they're trying to get like, what size? What size company? Mm -hmm. What industry? And I simply say, we look to work with leaders who value their people. We've worked with Fortune 500 companies and we've worked with mom and pop shops. Essentially the same. It's still the people business. One may have a bigger budget. One may be regional or national or even international. At the end of the day, if you refer me somebody and that leader puts profits above people, we're not a good fit for them. We are a great fit when they put people first because profits follow people, not the other way around. And so that's what we're looking for. Does that client believe in our core values, in our mission, in our vision? And in fact, that's part of our sales process is to send that in advance so they know who we are, not just what we do. We're not just leadership. We're not just strategic planning and we're not just sales. We are leading the worldwide people movement. And we're very, very clear about that. And I think you're absolutely right. You have to cherry pick. You can't do business with everybody, but you can pick those people that you want to do business with. And I don't think enough leaders spend quality time with their team identifying that criteria. We didn't take everybody on at the mm -hmm. media company either. We couldn't. So we cherry picked. Have you, what, did you ever have an experience and obviously don't name names or, you know, anything that's identifying, but did you ever have an experience in your business where you thought, wow, this is going to be a great client and you jump in and you're so excited and you realize that this client is just not a fit and they're not going to take value from you or really go through the steps of your program in a way that's, that shows your value and enhances their company. Did you ever have something like that? And then what happened? How did you handle that kind of a situation? So I'll give you really two examples. We've had clients where if the leaders aren't all on board with the program, in other words, they're not going to go through it with their teams, the likelihood of it working is, 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 is minimized. So when a leader says, well, I want to develop all of my people as leaders, but I already know everything, 
you have a problem. So I encourage that leader. Many CEOs go through our program because it's their opportunity to have a shared journey. So sometimes they're just resistant. They might not want to do it. And I think that at that point, I always let them know, you know, if you're not going to fully go through it, let's reconsider or do this when you're ready. But we've also had, we had a client one time, everything we were working with them pretty in depth with kind of their executive team. And then the actual owner of the company, he just did not have a, a, a place in his heart for veterans or the military. He, he, had a, he had a deep resentment for the military. And when he found out that I had served in the Marine Corps, even though we were making great progress with his team, he pulled the plug on it. So he, I don't know if there's a term for people who are, whatever, but, but Hey, listen, I, I have a word, but it's <laughs> yeah, not might, a very nice word. <laughs> uh, we may have to have the director's cut of this, of this version, but um, right. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that was okay. When I found out that he didn't have a heart for the military, which I didn't know going into it because I didn't really meet with him. I was working, it was a bigger company. I was working with their executives. When I found that I lost out interest in working with him anyway. So, because my, my right. personal vision statement is to enrich the lives of military families in a world free of cancer. So if they're not in alignment with my personal vision, not just our company vision, and then I'm out. I don't need to work with everybody. You know, life, life's too short, <laughs> as we all know. Absolutely. Well, that is very unfortunate. We, just a personal side note, we've been very blessed in our business to actually work with two military spouses. We're of a full, fully remote company, so yeah. we've been remote even prior to COVID. And, you know, one of our, they're, they're, they're not full-time employees yet. We'd love to bring them on full-time, uh, they're, but they're longtime contractors with us. And, and one of the contractors who is um, such a dear person to our business, she said that she has really struggled as a, as a professional to be able to find a full-time job or to find a company that would, you know, give her that chance because her husband is in active military and they're constantly moving moving from base to base. So she can't take a regular, you know, nine to five full-time in-person job. And so when we connected with her, she actually reached out to us on LinkedIn. I can't even tell you just what an impact she's made for us personally, but also in our business. We, we look to hire and work with people that obviously fit our values and our vision. But when we can hire somebody that we like to say, there's, there's a group of people that fall into this sort of box that doesn't really fit traditional employer employment arrangements. The traditional corporate America is nine to five, you come in, you do your work, and sometimes you got to do even more than what's listed on there. And you go home and you take your paycheck and you don't speak up about it and you don't say boo about it. And we, many in many ways, I don't like to use the word misfit, but I can't think of a better one at this time. There's a lot of, there's a lot of misfits out there, people that don't fit that model, that have experience, that have drive, that have passion, but for a variety of reasons, whether that's personal, family, whether it's health-related, they can't commit to that same sort of corporate America, you know, standard. And they often struggle. And I know that myself in my career prior to starting our business, I would have absolutely been in that misfit category, being a caregiver, I left my company for, uh, I left work for two years. And so we've been very blessed to hire and work with military spouses that have just enhanced our business. So just a little side note on that. Well, we may have to team up then with our foundation because the mill spouse community is very near and dear to our heart because I, I feel like, first of all, they don't get out there and, and take to the microphone and complain about their lifestyle. But they have a harder lifestyle than most. And you're right. Every three years, the military requires you to move. So while I did a four-year tour of duty, I was at two different duty stations. They never allow complacency to set in with the troops. The impact on the family is pretty significant. And that's why when we decided to have a foundation, we decided to focus on the mill spouse. 
I feel a very underrepresented and unsung hero in our country. And without them, the service member would have a tougher go at what they're doing. So I love the fact that you're looking to hire them and, and what that person said about their challenges in the workplace is common throughout the entire country. People almost ignore what they bring to the table for fear that they'll leave in three years, even though they're going to hire somebody that doesn't fit their culture. And that person's gone in six months. doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, right, when you, right. When you really look at it. It's like, if you hired a mill spouse, you may have somebody make such a significant impact because here's a person who knows how to spin a lot of plates and doesn't typically complain out loud. So, yes, yeah. yes. Well, if you are looking for a nominee, and I know that you do award scholarships, I could, I would absolutely love to throw this person's hat in the ring. She is just a phenomenal woman. On a, on a side note, she also, her and her husband both went through a COVID diagnosis this year. So they, they had a tough go at it and she still remains so positive and so just, just focused on her goal of building her business and, and bringing value to those that she works with. So they have an entrepreneur spirit, mill spouse community. They have to, and they they've evolved into being very entrepreneurial. So I've actually done strategic planning courses with the mill spouse community because since corporate America has almost turned away from them, they have turned to starting their own businesses. I mean, and, and it ranges from everything from fitness to, you know, making trinkets or whatever they're doing. And they're just so passionate about it. And, uh, and so I love that you support them. And yes, by all means, route them to us. They can fill out an application and uh, we'll have them considered for a scholarship. We would be honored to do that. Yeah, you're very fortunate having them as an extension of your team. We are. We absolutely are. We're very blessed that, we, you know, unfortunately, 2020 has been tough on our business. And so we haven't been able to supply them a lot of work as we had in the past. But I love that they're still committed to Proofpoint. They're still, you know, friends of the company and also to us. And and yeah. I know that in, in better times moving into 2021, we're very excited to start working with both of them again and, and hopefully attracting more individuals that have experienced those that they don't fit in that box of corporate America to come join us and be part of our team. Well, thank you so much for sharing about the passion that you have for your foundation. That was something that I definitely wanted to touch on this in our conversation. But I want to talk a little bit about mixing business with pleasure, because after all, that is the topic of our podcast, the name of our podcast. You guys are husband and wife. Not only that, Eric, we understand that one of your sons is also part of the company. And I'm, I'm curious, both for you guys as husband and wife and business owners, what are some of the challenges that you had to overcome navigating the business and the pleasure side? I have a couple answers, but I'll let Gina go first. <laughs> um, one of our priorities is we we actually even have on our job description, or, or it's our position overview, family comes first. Hmm. We always try to make that a priority. It'll be family will come over work any day of the week. We have that in our in our overview. And we firmly, firmly believe that and try to live that out. Yeah. I mean, we have five, you know, basically five people. Sandy is my sister-in-law, her sister, Jacob is our youngest son at 29 years old. And then Sapphire is dating my oldest son. So, <laughs> so you guys are really a family business. It's truly family business. And, uh, you know, and, and we do have people that, that work with us, like Rhonda, who's, who's not family, but almost like family. She's so awesome. She's our extended family. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when it comes to family, we do follow that policy of family comes first. Uh, when things come up, we're understanding about it. 
But also too, I think when you do things right with the family, they also have your back in a way that's very different than, than any other team member could probably ever have your back. Now, we've also seen some very dysfunctional family businesses. So I think that that's where they're not having the balance, right? Yeah, there's, there's times when I, I need to start earlier so it doesn't interfere with our family time later. And I'll do that. But I was in the Marines. So getting up at 4.30 in the morning to you know, write some chapters of the book, I'm, I actually enjoy that anyways. But we do have to have some starting and stopping points. Family, you know, they can travel with us when we go to certain events which is really awesome. Our daughter, Erica, even though she's not on payroll, she comes to our local events and she'll help with the book sales and do things. And our clients have actually gotten to know her and watch her grow up. She just went with me to Iowa for a road trip. So she did her distance learning from our hotel while I went out and I did our speaking. So it's great that they can kind of pick and choose some of the locations mm -hmm. that they go. They've, they've gone to Hawaii with me. They've gone to, Gina's gone to Cape Cod with me. They tend to choose the ones that are very exotic locations. Sometimes they can't always make it to Iowa and Milwaukee, but you know, whatever. Florida and Hawaii coming from Minnesota just, just sound a little bit better, Eric, you know. <laughs> they, can always, they can always seem to free their schedule up for Hawaii. Right, right. Well, I love that you involve your youngest daughter, your, your youngest child, Erica. She's a teenager, right? She's 14. Yep. Yeah, she's a freshman in high school or a freshman at home, however you want to look at it now. <laughs> right. <laughs> And that's awesome because we have, we have a five-year-old and, you know, she's been home with us this year because of COVID and we've had, to, like many parents out there, we have to juggle yeah. parenthood sure. and parent responsibilities and work and business. And same with our employees. We've had, we have some employees that also have kids and, and having to balance that. And we just said from the very beginning, kids, no kids, if they need your help help them. If they need to be on camera with you, so be it. If you need to turn off your camera in a meeting to attend to a child, put yourself on mute, do what you have to do, come back. If you got to call your day early to spend some extra time, that's fine. Right. And and our daughter has taken a very big interest in, you know, in our podcast yeah. and in our business. And so we've tried as, as much as she wants to, you know, without... Yeah forcing her without pushing her, she's only five, to be involved and to, we recorded a holiday video for our clients and she was part of that. And it was her idea. And she's like, I want to be on the video and I want to say happy new year. And so we've, I, I, it's been, it's been a joy for us as business owners to get her involved, especially because we started our business very much inspired by her journey yeah. and inspired by the family crisis that we went through with her. So I love that. I don't have a question in there. It's just more <laughs> of a statement. <laughs> well, I think that that's one of the benefits. We work with a lot of family businesses, maybe, maybe 40 to 45% of our clients are family owned and some of them very large with uh, national presences, right? It's a, but it's still family owned. It's not, not publicly traded. And those are unique businesses because the family's working together. So there's some, there's some interesting dynamics, but at the end of the day, I think you have the ability for more cohesion, more camaraderie based on that relationship. But, but the relationship needs to be nurtured just like anything yeah. else. You can't take it for granted. Plus you don't want to have to fire a family member and then see them over the holidays and be like, Oh, hi, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. And luckily we've never had to do that. But again, that like Gina said, in our position overview, that first bullet point family comes first. You know, we've lived with that since we've had our first team member, which was uh, Sandy six years ago. So in January, she'll have our sixth year with us and 
family has always come first. I think one of the bonuses for hiring a family member is just having that that trust right out of the yeah. gate. You already know who they are, where they come from. You know, you can trust them. Yeah, it's huge. Um, not something you have to work on building up or and, seeing. Yeah. And they can shoot straight with you too. Maybe sometimes <laughs> too straight, but they're going to tell you like it is. You know, if, if, if I don't have something that I'm nailing in my presentation, they're just going to go right to it. But I've also encouraged that too. I want to hear their thoughts. I think it's it's a Chris blessing and a curse having your family on board and you got to make it more of a blessing all the time. But again, that that relationship side of thing, it has to be nurtured because there still has to be balance between family and and the professional side. Absolutely. Well, we are getting close to being able to wrap up, which is the least favorite part of doing these shows is having having to wrap up and having to end this wonderful conversation. But before we do, I do have one question um, for both of you, and it's really around family. And we've talked a lot about that just right now and kids and, and Eric and Gina, you have your younger son, Jacob, that works in the business. If we asked your kids today, what do you think the lessons that they've learned from you as parents, but also as business owners, what do you think some of their answers would be? I think if you were to ask them, especially since, so Erica, Erica came into the picture in 2006 after the first round of cancers. And so she didn't experience it like the boys did. And, and the boys are Gina's stepsons but have been involved in her life since they were four and six. One of the best compliments they ever said to us is as they got older, they were talking to us about the time period when she had cancer and they started to understand how much we were struggling financially back then, where you know we didn't have two nickels to rub together. One of the boys said when we were talking to them and we were describing more of what happened, they said, you know, we never knew it was like that. And I said to them, you weren't supposed to know. And so, I think from that perspective, that was always one of the greatest things we ever heard that we were transparent with them in many, many things. They knew Gina was sick, but we always did put them as much of a priority as we could with everything going on. And I, and I think that they've learned to be honest about communication, to be straightforward, and, and most importantly, to have integrity. That when you say something, you got to do it. And, and, you know, that's huge for us. That was also a leadership trait in the Marine Corps that I've I've brought into our business, you know, integrity is huge for us. And I think that they've seen that. If I say for better or for worse, I have to mean it. I can't just say for better, or for worse, but only if it's better, you know, when you take an oath, it's because there will be bad times. When you make vows, it's because there will be bad times. There's no flawless run on a marriage or a business. And, and I think that they know where they stand with us and they know where we stand with them. And so that's, that's a huge part. I think the integrity side is, I would hope that that would be one thing that they would describe mm -hmm. us as. Yeah. I think, I think that they do see that. I also think that, you know, they see that you work hard at something and, and you really put your mind to it, that you can accomplish anything you set your mind to. I think they've seen us go from point A to point B. We do it with the best of intentions. We do it with the greatest of heart. And mm -hmm. I think that they, all three of our kids have witnessed that. And I think they've, they've learned from it. And yeah. I think each of them at different times have, have mentioned to us, like, like it takes work, you know, not, yeah. no one has a perfect run, but it's a matter of, of how you get through it. How do you handle the crisis? How do you handle the hard days? How do you, are you keeping your perception in check? Are you just getting out of bed in the your morning. heart in the right place? Are you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps? You have to. 
And I think each of them have learned that from us and could easily say that, that they could follow that. Of course, would love for you to ask them to see what they actually would really (laughs) say. (laughs) Well, we have talked about bringing people's uh, kids on the show. So yeah, it's like the bonus features, right? For a movie. Exactly. Exactly. Quite funny. I joke around about our our 14 year old (laughs) daughter and I tell Eric, because we work from home, I think she thinks we don't work. You know, you work from home, you don't have a job, you can stop what you're doing at any point in time and run me here, take me there. It's um, tough so to, it's, it's tough to be funny. a prophet in your own land. It is, it is very funny that you mentioned that because one of the things that we're talking about for 2021 is interviewing the kids of couple entrepreneurs and kind of asking them like lightning round questions of what do they think of their mom and dad working together? You know, what are the lessons that they learn? What are the things that they dislike? What are the things that they like? So we'd love- I think you can have a bonus features section if we're in the movie business, right? If you like movies- Exactly. Bonus features are always awesome, you know? But then I would just ask that you could have the director's commentary. <laughs> Let me explain what he's saying. <laughs> well, if if Jacob and Erica are up for it, then we will be in touch with them definitely in the new year. And uh, well, I think it'd be awesome. Well, we are at that point where we do have to wrap up. We have a, three wrap up questions, three conclusion questions that we all always ask yeah. our guests. It has been such a pleasure to have both of you on here. We've learned. I know that. We have learned personally so much from you and taken so much. And I know Mike was writing down notes and I am absolutely positive. I do have notes. I'm absolutely positive that our listeners today are going to also take so much from everything that you've shared around leadership, goal setting, planning, and just from your your inspirational experience and, and what you have accomplished together as a team. So Mike, why don't you take us through these questions here? Let's do it. So we like to ask, you know, especially for you guys, because goal setting is such a big part of what you teach and what you do and how you have gotten through things. What's the, what's the next big goal? What's the next big project, both either or family or business or both? So I just got the, the key to, I'll share this one. Our big goal we're working on is very, very similar to what you guys are working on with reaching 1 million people. We just launched our own social media platform. So through COVID, uh, we created and coded uh, our own Facebook or our own LinkedIn called thinkgreatnow.com. And it's our give back to the world where you can register and have a profile. You can have a page for your business. You can have a team site where your team is on there. And we have a nonstop stream. We're the only social media platform that creates its own content. So we actually have a stream of think great content on leading, planning, selling, goal setting, inspirational, motivational, book excerpts, exercises, coaching clips, all these things that are free that we just want to, we want the world to think great. And so we are looking to get people registered on that site and start sharing the content out there. It's a way to build your business and your people simultaneously. And so, and it's also, it's dedicated to great thinkers. So that's a big one for us. And we as a, as a family, we're all on Think Great Now. It does everything that Facebook can do. It's just called Think Great Now. And so we're spreading that everywhere we go. And maybe there can be some synergy between your goal and ours on that. We would love to have 1 million people registered on that thinking great every single day. Absolutely. Yeah. And the goal that Eric is, is referencing just for our listeners is with, through our podcast, through Mixing Business with Pleasure, Mike and I have a goal of reaching 1 million couples in business. So that is, that is our, that has been our goal with the podcast. And so thank you for sharing about. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, so really it's 2 million. We'll hit our goal is you guys hit half of yours. So, I mean, this is going to work out. 
<laughs> so where was I? Going? Oh yeah. So you answer this about each other. So Eric, you answer about Gina, Gina about Eric. What is the one thing or quality that the other person brings to both your business and your personal relationship that you couldn't do without? I believe that what Gina brings is authenticity. She brings a very genuine spirit that when people meet her, they always say, I feel like I've known her forever. From a business standpoint, that is absolutely huge because we're talking with clients that, you know, they're, they're growing their business or they may have challenges with their team. And when they meet her, there's just this sense of peace that they get. So from that standpoint, we are in the people business and, and she is, is one of the greatest people out there. And when people meet her, it's huge. When they talk to her on the phone, it's huge. So I think they're her genuineness. And even with our family too, I think that everybody knows, you know, where they stand with Gina and what you see is what you get. And I think that's an incredible quality and, and characteristic that she has. I think for, for Eric, when I think of him, the first thing that comes to my mind is his positive outlook. You know, it doesn't matter what we're going through. He just always brings that positive outlook and it's endurance as well. Like he's up at the crack of dawn and he can hit the ground running and it doesn't matter if it's for our foundation, for our business, for our family, he's just on it. And he, he's just, he doesn't stop until it's done. He's always, he's, he's just always there for us, for our team, for our family and our friends and I just, he's dependable. I guess I just, I just said about four words, not one, but. <laughs> oh, hey, you're still running. Keep going. This is great. <laughs> he's just very reliable. I know I can rely on him no matter what, like whether it's in work, family, our foundation, he just, he has such a desire to help others in a way that I don't see in a lot of people. And I love that about him. Well, your, your love story about each other and about one another and your business is so inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing. One last question before we go. This is yeah. so important to our community. What advice would you offer other spouses looking to start a business together? I, I always like to say this. I have an order of which I think it works well. You have a good foundation. We always try to put God first and we put our family and then our business it can't be the other way around or you will not have a strong foundation. And I feel like it will eventually yeah. crumble and not be as strong as it could be if you don't go in a specific order. Yeah. And, and I would say just to piggyback on what Gina's saying, if, if two people are going to start a business together, you know, you have to have your priorities, right. And be unwavering on them. But I think they also need to really ask themselves, you know, how passionate are they about what it is they're about to do that passion side for their business will help get them over the inevitable obstacles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The hardships, the challenges, they're going to be there. You know, even when we start a business, it's like starting a goal, right? It's exciting. And then all of a sudden these challenges hit. So I think they really have to have passion. They have to do what we did, which is go from point A to point B with the best attitudes possible. And it's very critical for them when they start their business to start looking a year, three years and five years out, which is tough to do, but it allows them to provide direction of where they're going. So when the tough times hit, they can say, hey, we're still on track for that. So I think, you know, the combination of prioritizing and planning is huge. Absolutely. Well, for any of our listeners listening out there that want to get in touch with you guys, where can they find you? They can go to our direct website, which is thinkgreat90.com. Or they can find us at thinkgreatnow.com. Wonderful. Well, Gina and Eric, thank you so much for being part of Mixing Business with Pleasure. We had a Truly a pleasurable time with you guys today. And we appreciate all the 
valuable information that you have shared and the inspiration that we will take with us long after this episode is done. So thank you again so much. We've really appreciated your time. Yeah, Gabby and Mike, thank you guys. Thank you both for having us. We appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, thank you. This was awesome. You guys are incredible, by the way. Thank you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for tuning into another episode of Mixing Business with Pleasure. We hope you'll join us next week as we feature another pair of co-founders who are also lovers and are proving that business and pleasure really do mix well together. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.